Welcome back, everyone, to episode 17 of Show and Tell. This is just my small adventure to highlight the creators and contributors to the Magic the Gathering community. Today, tonight, West Coast people, we're out a little little late this evening. Um, I'm super excited to be joined by my friend, uh, commander player, photographer, uh, bird of paradise, uh, she who melds Bricelia, uh, Katie Karlov. Katie, thank you so much for joining me this evening. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. Um, so that Priscilla, you're going to have to tell that story later, by the way. That's kind of it's become, you know, legends and myth, the, the <laughs> one who, who melded uh, Priscilla in, in a game. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so Katie, uh, you are a, a magic player, uh, streamer, all sorts of good stuff. So uh, my, my slay joke is uh, let's I like to start at the beginning. So let's talk about your history with magic. Uh, when did you uh, start playing magic and what kind of got you into, into the game? Um, so I got into magic around 2010, 2011. I, I'm kind of unsure of the year. Um, but we, we used to go, we were living in SoCal and we went to Frankenson's all the time, which is in LA. And, uh, yes, one of our favorite spots. And we always saw all the magic booths there that like had magic cards. And so we were like, let's just like, let's get into something. And we and my husband, um, who was at the time my boyfriend was like, let's uh, let's get into magic because the art on the cards is always is so cool. And um, I've always been interested. And so, you know, we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we all bought like a little bundle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like where it comes with like, is it 12 packs, something like that. Um, it was like a fat was it? They still did a fat packs. The fat yeah, packs it was, was a like, fat yeah. pack. Yeah. Um, so cool. we bought we each bought a fat pack, came home. Uh, it was with our friends as well, and we all decided we were going to play, and we l- watched like videos on how to play and stuff <laughs> like that. Like we were playing all five of us in one group, like against each other, and it took forever, and it was really messy. Um, and we played like that for a while, and then uh, our friends kind of dropped out of it. We kind of dropped out of it. Every now and then, we'd pull out our sixty card decks that we had built and you know, play around with them a little bit. Uh, Mm. And then in 2020, uh, we decided, hey, we need uh, something to do. So why don't we play Magic again? Um, And then we learned Commander, and then that was it for us. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, Your story, I mean, I started playing a lot earlier than you, but it sounds a lot like how my friends and I used to play, especially in college, um, in a kind of an era pre-commander it was just we'd have our decks and it would be like whoever wanted to play and it was just like a giant free-for-all and it's like four five six players and it's like good luck like figuring out like you know just doing whatever and um wild times it was like the wild west of 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 playing so that's funny um if if you've never if you haven't heard of Frankenstein's, if you're ever in uh, Southern California, Frankenstein's is like the mecca of all things collectible cards, toys, games. I've been going there since I was like seven. Um, they definitely it's definitely changed over the years. It's moved a few times. I haven't actually been. It's moved since I've last been there. I think it's in another new location, but it's yeah, uh, you it can definitely moved see like that a couple blocks down, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they definitely had expanded their card. Uh, card mm-hmm. space, the the magic. I think the magic especially, card space, especially because I used to go back there and buy Star Wars customizable card game cards back in uh, like elementary and junior high. But magic, magic, and I think the Yu Gi Oh actually and probably Pokemon really kind of mm-hmm. pushed that 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 collectible card space there. So, but it's yeah, awesome. The card you can get, area is huge now. Yeah, where it uh, used a lot to of just tables, be like one little area. Yeah, 
yeah, I think they have like a lot of tables that you can come to sit and play, uh, which is super cool. Uh, but and like if you're just into like toys and collectibles, I mean, I don't again, I haven't been a while, but there used to be one booth that was all just like McDonald's toys, like from just yes, you know, decades <laughs> and um, all kinds totally. of cool stuff. So like Beanie yeah. Baby. Beanie Babies, yeah. Stuff. Beanie Baby Boos, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh. I'm having a hit of nostalgia right now just thinking about it go so much. My dad, it was like one of those things I used to go to. My dad a lot would take me. Uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, the father-son bonding mode was over mm-hmm. our love of cheap toys and crap. So um, <laughs> anyways, so uh, yeah, so that's cool. Um, Frankenstein is great. Uh, so yeah, so you found it. So then you know, came back in around 2020. Uh, we can intuit as to what was the... Uh, inspiration for finding something to do a lot of us were stuck inside um so uh when you kind of came back were you just playing and then you found commander and you're like oh yeah this is this is how i want to play this is the format that kind of speaks to me yeah so back in the day we had bought a commander deck because we didn't know what it was but somebody at a booth was like oh at frankincense was like oh you guys should play commander if it's the four of you And so we bought, I don't know why we thought this was the idea. I think we were thinking we were playing Arch Enemy, um, but we bought one commander deck. And we bought, um, it was like the Naya one uh, from 2012, I think. I I can't even remember who the commander was. It was uh, was some Naya commander. And it was where they were doing the jumbo cards still. And, you know, it was like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we bought one of those. And then we just could not figure out the rules. And and so we just sat in our cabinet for a long time. Um, yeah. And then we, I had reconnected with an old friend who had also moved, because I moved up to Seattle in 2020 as well. So we had reconnected with an old friend of mine that lived in Seattle that also played Magic. And they were like, we play Commander. We only play Commander. And we were like, okay, well, we've never played Commander, but we're down to learn. You know, we, we know the rule, the basic rules of Magic. And, um, we played, uh, there, they brought four decks along with them. So we each picked one and played it. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. This was so fun. And so the next day I sat down with all of my legendary creatures and I was like, (laughs) are these ones cool? And one of them was Coma, (laughs) Cosmos Serpent. And they were like, yeah, that one's really cool. You should definitely (laughs) build that one. (laughs) It's kind of become. I feel like Coma's kind of become your signature deck in a lot of ways. That kind of people associate Coma with you a lot of times. Is that fair to say? I think so. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I I'm like a green player, so playing any deck with green in it is really going to be my speed. And yeah. um, and Coma was was truly my first commander that I ever built. So it, it has like a soft spot in my heart. Um, one of my favorite decks. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, you know, I talk about this a lot with my experience playing Magic. I started playing uh, on the sidewalks of my junior high back in the Urza block, so like <laughs> 1998, kind of dating myself now. But <laughs> when I, when I, you know, I kind of found, I found Commander, um, when I, you know, a lot of Magic players, you come and go from the game just because it's been around so long. But when I came back, uh, when Dominaria, the original Dominaria came out, that's when mm-hmm. I discovered commander and i was like oh this is this is the format i've been looking for because you know i I dinked around with standard and modern but you know the the idea of like uh using cards from pretty much the entire history of the game 
yeah. and the you know the uh, the building restrictions of the commander, but the hundred you know single. I think the singleton format really is what I think is uh, it was pretty cool too because it really kind of allows for more flexibility in designing your decks. Yeah, um, but uh, and it's just a, I you know it's just a very elegant way to play. You know, it's just with the four people, and you know, there's a big emphasis obviously on the social aspect the gathering as we mm-hmm. like to emphasize but uh it, i mean it's just fun it's a, it's a fun it's a fun format so um yeah i can definitely can definitely relate to you in a lot of in a lot of how like we've come to the same point in our magic playing careers and what we're looking to get out of the game um, yeah so you come back uh you start playing commander you build this fearsome coma deck um mm-hmm. and then it looks like you start streaming uh you tend to stream i don't know if it's um always monday nights uh, i know i've been on i think it's a monday uh carlos command usually wednesday wednesday yeah I, yeah there you go wednesdays it's been a, it, it's been a long week for me wednesdays that yeah. is great um so uh let's talk a little bit about uh streaming what uh what got you or interested in streaming and then like even just then because like streaming is one thing like you know going on and like let's just play arena for people or let's play whatever but then mm-hmm. uh hosting your own kind of gameplay kind of stream is a whole whole other beast i would say so what was the inspiration that kind of got you into streaming and then what kind of prompted you to then kind of start organizing your own uh, gameplay stream yeah so gosh um i had started watching because I kind of fell in love with Commander. So I was like, I need to, I want to know more about it. I want to watch other people play it. So I started um, watching, you know, things like Game Nights and um, some other, you know, YouTube shows that were on at the time. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is really fun. Like you get to meet new people and like play with decks you wouldn't normally get to play with. And like it's not, you know, it, it feels light and fresh and all that. So I, um, I really wanted to get into streaming, but I didn't really know anybody. And the thing about commander is you kind of have to know (laughs) some people. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there that I play commander. I started a Twitter that was just for magic. Um, I basically created a whole, like, I don't want to say persona because I'm still myself at all times, but Um, I just basically made a space for myself and said, Hey, I'm here to do this. Um, and I started just streaming arena. I, you know, I would play historic brawl. So I was like, people kind of knew I was here to play commander, that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then, um, actually Bobby Christine had messaged me and was like, do you want to be on my stream? And I was like, starstruck, like the Bobby Christine like I when I it's it's kind of funny because when you join Twitter and you don't have any followers and you and you're not following anybody um Uh and you start uh like it asks you like do you want to sync your contacts do you want to like like certain topics of conversation and so really all I put in there was magic and Dungeons and Dragons those were like the two things I was like I'm interested in these two things and it recommended people for me to follow and one of those people was Bobby Christine and so oh, okay. that's cool. I was yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. And then I saw that she'd been playing since Lorwyn. Like it was like a whole thing. I was like, oh my God, like she's so cool. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to follow her like, duh. Yeah. And then she DM'd me like pretty recently after I had joined Twitter, um, which I know for her was kind of a gamble because I had a new Twitter account. I had no followers. Like I was nobody. Um, I still am nobody just for the record. I want to make sure that's clear. Um, but, no, you're, you're uh, somebody so she, to me, Katie. You're you're oh, don't, thank don't, you. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> you're a, you're a real one, as I like to say. Oh, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, anyway, she she invited me on her show, and I finally got to play Commander with people. I was playing Kalia, which was a newer deck for me. I had kind of just been playing around with it. Um, yeah. And um, I did really well, and, you know, Bobby and I kind of clicked, and then I kind of became, you know, kind of built up a friendship over time, over the last year and a half. Gosh, longer now, almost two years. Um, yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it just kind of went from there. And then I finally was like, okay, I, I think I have the confidence to like invite people up to be on my stream. I'm going to try to just try it out every now and then, and then I'll make it a weekly thing. And, and it just kind of went from there. I had a lot of people that were excited to play. And, and that's realistically like where a lot of the drive comes from is like the cool thing about the people in the magic community is they want to play magic. So. Yeah. 100%. It wasn't yep. like hard to book people except for like normal scheduling conflicts. Like I'm already busy that night or whatever. But like yeah. generally there's like a, there's like a sea of people that want to play. And um, I was eager to play with new people and new decks and, you know, kind of get more experience in magic. So mm. at the beginning it was really hard and really stressful. And I was like booking people three weeks in advance and like doing all this stuff. And now I've kind of slowed down a little bit. I've been actually really busy with my job. Um, yeah. So I haven't been as consistent, but when I do have it, I'm like, I'm getting these really fun pods together that I'm excited to play with. And I think my audience is excited to see play. So. For sure. Yeah. I think, you know, for a lot of factors, obviously people like playing magic, like magic players want to play magic and um, getting for the most part, getting people on like I think most the, the community itself, like, you, you know, we sculpt a community that we want to kind of be a part of. And I think a lot of times people who uh, you have shared interests with, it makes it kind of easier when you're kind of creating these sort of spaces. Um, and to your point, you know, Bobby, I, I met, I've had Bobby on a few episodes ago and she's fantastic. And, but I remember when I first, I met her and I met you at uh magic 30 in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, as an even mo more insignificant uh, person in, in the, in the magic world, I had like, you know, just having you know you follow me on Twitter or her follow, and then kind of seeing you at Magic, like hey, like we follow each other on Twitter, like I, you know, just kind of saying hi and like I, you know, I was giving out fibble thip pims or other, and just like super cool, like super late, like it's like a, you know, people being so excited, like oh yeah, hey, like how, how it's cool, it's like cool to see you in person, like this is wild, like you you know, you yeah. kind of talk to someone in this digital space, and um, then you get to see them physically, like oh like yeah, you are you are a person, like you know, this is this is this is weird, but this is pretty cool, so yeah. Um, I think that's part of the part of the joy of, of the game is just kind of bringing people together, and uh, I know it's 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 kind of a cliche, but you know the gathering does tend to be the best part of the game, be it in person or or online or, or through streaming. So, um, yeah. I know like you know when I you had me on your stream a few weeks ago, and I was like, this is so freaking cool. I was having so much fun, especially so like I don't get to play uh, Commander pretty much at all because I, I don't have I don't really have a play group around me mm -hmm. so like anytime I can kind of like jump on somewhere I'm like heck yes this is awesome like I just want to <laughs> play some magic um so um that's uh that's that you know that's that's cool and you know if um I think it's just a Wednesdays you know definitely check out uh Katie's stream once you kind of I don't know do you try to do it every Wednesday every other Wednesday I know like you said recently you've been kind of busy with life is it do you try to relatively have a uh maintain a relatively consistent schedule or I know it's, it gets tough uh, when you kind of get older and you have a, you, you know, when you don't contribute, your job isn't a full-time creator. Like you have a, you know, have a day job. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I can, I can relate to that. Maintaining the cons those consistent schedules gets kind of difficult, right? Yeah, totally. I also have a young child too. He's four. So uh, just balancing all of that sometimes gets a little difficult. Um, 
but yeah, I, I usually was, I was streaming every other week. I'm sorry, every mm -hmm. week I'm moving towards an every other week system. It's just a little bit easier for me to balance, um, yeah. everything that I have going on, but I don't totally want to walk away from streaming because I do love doing it. Um, and I do love just also playing with other people in the community too. So I will occasionally like jump onto somebody else's stream. Um, yeah. typically you'll see me on Bobby's stream quite a bit, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, trying to get into a balance of, uh, you know, every other week would be ideal for me right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you, so I'm always curious for people when you made the jump to hosting your own streams, um, what, I mean, what was the biggest difficulty or like what, you know, if you have advice for someone, advice for someone who maybe is streaming, but is thinking about trying to host their own kind of gameplay stream, like what, what did you find or what do you wish you had known beforehand? Um, any, you know, any, any, any insights there? Yeah. I mean, um, the biggest thing that I struggled with in the beginning was just like my nerves. Yeah. I wanted to make sure everything was right. I wanted to make sure nothing went wrong. And I kind of realize that stuff's going to happen. I feel like technology, it's like as much as we rely on it, it's not reliable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have like a gaming PC. I mean, it's a laptop, but I still have like a, a nice laptop. And still I have times like I think two weeks ago I had a stream where my none of my USB ports wanted to work, like none of them. <laughs> so I was like, my camera was working, my microphone was working that were plugged directly into my PC. But my my stream deck doesn't work. Actually, no, my microphone wasn't working. It was my stream deck wasn't working, my microphone wasn't working, and my keyboard wasn't working. And I was just oh, wow. like, I don't know what to do. So I think <laughs> like rolling with the punches in the beginning, it's never going to be easy. And I think like stuff goes wrong for me still all the time. I have so many VODs on my Twitch channel that have no audio because for whatever <laughs> reason, Twitch, Twitch didn't record the audio and I still don't yeah. understand why. Um, and then I think the other thing is like when you're building out a game um, with people, you're going to play a four player game. You're going to probably pay for an hour to two hours. I yeah. think the one thing that I didn't necessarily struggle with this, but it was very apparent to me early on that it was something I had to think about was I don't want to just be blindly booking people like, hey, you, hey, you, hey, you. I want three people to join me that I think they're going to vibe together as well. It's about the whole group. Yeah. So it, it's not to say anybody is lesser or better or whatever. It's more of just like, I know these people well yeah. enough to know that they're going to get along with these other people over here. And so we're just going to bring it all together. And I think that thoughtfulness um, translates to the audience that are watching. I think people get excited about, oh my God, these three people are on Katie's stream. Like, that's so cool. And then they want to come out and say hi and, and see those people. They're excited to see those people. Yeah. Oh, I spy a dog. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th I think that's, that's a, probably a very good point is when it, when it's your stream, um, part of your job is kind of cultivating the experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because you can just you can you can invite people on willy nilly, but having an idea of like the type of person they are and how to kind of create a vibe, um, I think is kind of an underrated aspect. And as someone again who's been on your stream, uh, I can speak to you like I know when we when we started, I was pretty nervous because 
um, even before I do this show, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not, I was like, I'm always nervous when I start this thing because I have to look at the you know, whatever. But uh, once you kind of <laughs> get going, you know, the nervous part, I think, for a lot of people, once you kind of get going, you tend to loosen up because you start, you know, you kind of get into a groove. Um, and yeah, technology is is crazy. Like, you know, stuff's going to happen. So as long as you kind of um, roll with the punches, I joke that when I first, I think, episode two of this show, I had Veggie Wagon on. And the video, my my laptop just, I think I was using OBS and just like the video just didn't work. It just was super laggy. So the audio was fine. So I was just like, well, let's just roll with it. And I just, I think the whole video version of the show is just, it's like five screenshots. So every like 10 minutes, it just changes from like, you know, our faces going like, hot. and then uh, the audio is <laughs> there. So like you're getting the gist of it anyways, but and that's just part of, you know, working with especially computers. It's just, you know. Yeah pivoting right just stick and move and keep figure you know keep going forward and figuring it out because um you know it's it, a lot of times it's it's out of your control you're not gonna you know you can't spend two hours troubleshooting why your usb driver suddenly vanished or something or like what's yeah. going on there because it's just you know it's not it's not worth your time so mm-hmm. being able to start like you said roll off the punches i think is a very important um skill to learn in this in this sort of space totally um gosh i uh I was going to ask something and forgot, so I'm just going to pivot like we just talked about. Um, <laughs> so uh, you kind of brought up, uh, you know, Bobby Christine and some of your other uh, guests, but uh, I think you and her both are part of a group called uh, Birds of Paradise, um, which is kind yeah. of a like a magic, I don't know if you call it a collective. Um, I don't want to say like organization. It's kind of a, a little more amorphous than like a than a like a group uh organization per se but i just i was wondering if you just maybe wanted to, to speak on that a little bit um you know what what was your involvement you know what's your what is your involvement and kind of like what you what you guys kind of do and all that kind of good stuff yeah so the birds of paradise started as an idea um to really just we wanted to go to events and stuff we knew we all wanted to go together and so the thought was if we make a group um you know, it, and have a group goal and mission statement, you know, that would be a good way to like be able to attend events. And, um, and then we could also like do good for the community. Um, part of that, which, you know, we could talk about is, a, you know, we wanted to do charity work for trans lifeline. And, mm-hmm. um, and also I think another important piece of that was just, um, you know, making the, wherever our group was at a convention, a safe space for anybody who wants to come join us. So, um, you know, it really started off with, uh, just kind of like an idea of like, we should make a group of us and, you know, that would be so fun. And then, um, the naming was like really the first thing we were playing around with a lot of different silly names. And then we landed on birds of paradise. I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I texted Bobby and I was like, birds of paradise that's the name that's that's <laughs> it um and uh so yeah i i i think after that it was like golden like we were like okay we're gonna we're gonna try to become this and so generally how we describe ourselves is a coalition a coalition of creators um with the goal to create a safe space in the magic community for people from all walks of life um, and also to give back to the community by um, charitable, charitable donation and um, really just, uh, you know, promoting those in the community who are, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting, on, I'm forgetting the word right now, but basically, you know, people that are underrepresented or yeah. um, mm-hmm. anything like that. So we, we really wanted to just, 
give back to the community and also show that uh, um, we were supportive of others in the community as well as, um, you know, making it a place where people that maybe feel like they're not a part of the community feel like there's a place for them to go to feel like they're a part of the community. So that was kind of the, the spawn of all of that. And then we went to Command Fest Bellevue and raised a bunch of money for Trans Lifeline. And now we're, we're talking about doing that again for um, Command Fest Seattle. Um, that's a little spoiler alert, but... Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's fantastic. I, um, I like to talk a lot about uh, community and community building on the show. That's kind of one of my, one of my, focuses is um Mm -hmm. you know i always say like we can we can build a better community like we can Mm -hmm. shape and create the community that we deserve and um you know people throw around safe space as some as some sort of insult but like safe spaces are important you know there are a lot of people uh, especially in gaming communities and gaming spaces or even nerds you know nerdy kind of spaces that um find themselves on the outside looking in you know there there Mm -hmm. tends to be a lot of unnecessary gatekeeping yeah. Um, around and it's not, it's just, it's not necessary. These, these games, you know, magic's for everybody and everyone should feel safe and comfortable, mm-hmm. um, when they're in, you know, at something like a command fest or even just, you know, on Twitter or, you know, going to a convention or even just their local game store. Um, there should never be a sense of, you know, feeling out of place or unsafe or worried about what someone might say about them. So, yeah. uh, seeing, you know, that's, you know, I, I've seen as, you know, your group, I think I actually saw a lot, you know, first introduced most of your group at, again, at Magic 30. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my first experience was even as someone who's just, you know, says sort of a white guy, super friendly, super engaging, like you're all super nice. Um, and like, those are the kind of groups that I think there need to be uh, recognized more for the work they do. Um so uh, you know, I you know, it, it's cool seeing the work you guys did. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, like I said, I, you know, I've had Bobby on, and you guys are all fantastic, uh, wonderful people. Um, I think you are the kind of examples of uh, what a community member should, a community member should look like. Um, so you know, I just wanted to kind of highlight highlight that uh, the work you've done, and just uh, check them out on. I think do you have a is there a specific Twitter? I think for the Birds of Paradise. I think it might. Yeah. I was. Uh, yeah, it's Birds it MTG. Birds MTG. Birds, so Birds MTG is our Bop Birds of Paradise bop. Bop. Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. so check them out. And again, kind of like he said, if you're ever at an event and and you're ever feeling kind of unsure or whatever, you know, seek one of them out because they'll you know they'll yeah. they'll look out for you, which is which is which is um which is good. I mean, I think you know totally. I think that's important. So uh, it's yeah, and we'll good we'll work. make sure we tweet out on our Birds of Paradise. Um, Twitter to uh, which events we'll be at and stuff. Cause sometimes it's like, you know, I think a lot of them, a lot of the girls went to magic Philly. I was not able to go. So yeah. I think, you know, if you're at one of those events, like we'll be sure to tweet out who is at what event. And you could always try to find us if you're in need of something or, you know, whatever, we're always happy to provide, um, help. Definitely. So that is wonderful. Um, so speaking of events, there's there's a few things so uh two things really um one uh you in my opinion you hold one of the one of the legendary stories from <laughs> I can't the the Priscilla story can you please tell me the Priscilla melding story let's what set the scene how you end up on a chair all that kind of good stuff like for for the audience who may not know the full mythology of Katie Karlov the melder 
Yeah. Um, oh God. So I have a, I don't have it anymore. I have, I had a Kalia deck. I, I recently parted ways with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had Kalia and of course in Kalia, the whole thing is you're cheating out angels and stuff. And so very, uh, expertly I threw, um, I forget which one it is. I always get them mixed up, but I threw one of the angels in my graveyard and then kept the other one in my hand. And, you know, everybody knew what I was going to do. They saw the (laughs) angel in the graveyard and they're like, oh shit, she's going to, she's going to meld them. Melded, uh, popped out, uh, the other angel. And then there we go at the, at my end step, Brazella, um, comes to life. And we're at, this is at, uh, lobby con, um, which is just a magic summit, just in the lobby of a hotel after the event, it was probably midnight at this point and everyone's just having a good time hanging out. And, uh, I made like some, I made some joke. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to melt. <laughs> and I made like a whole big deal because I'm too much sometimes. And, uh, and then of course everybody in my pod, like they saw me, they did it. They were like, yeah. And they like clapped. And then they were like somebody, I think it was, um, I think it was Lauren, uh, MTG hot dog was standing nearby and he was yeah. like, speech, speech, speech. So I, I, <laughs> Cause I like when someone eggs me on, I'm, I can't back down. So I stood up on my chair. Everybody in the lobby was like, what's going on? They saw me holding up Rosella and then the clapping kind of started happening. You know, uh, it's just, just one of those moments that like, I didn't plan on it being this big fanfare or anything. I was mostly just being silly, but it kind of became this thing and, um, unwittingly, uh, called myself the elder melder uh the elder melder that's a good name yeah and um you know it just it just became one of those th- things that like some people were there for it and they talk about it and it's just like a little silly thing that goes around the internet um but it was super i mean it's super fun i actually after i got back from mtg summit i looked at all the cards that had meld and i was like can i make a commander deck that's all meld and you can it's not a lot of melding cards there's only like 12 cards yeah. that meld in all of magic so there it's not like a big but I, it's one of those things that i sit on like I, I have it like off to the side in moxfield and i'm like one day like they just need to come out with like maybe two or three more meld cards and then yeah. i can make this a thing um but yeah it's just it was just like one of my th- favorite things about magic is like big stompy flashy things that you can do so yeah. melding into a giant Eldrazi, I just thought was super fun. And so I was like, well, of course I'm going to have this in here. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I have a, I have an Urza deck that's, I've been dinking around to try to make a Urza planeswalker meld thing mm. kind of happen. But like many, many decks I start, it's in a, it's in a box with about seven other halfway started decks. So, um, yes. one of these, one of these days will, it'll, it'll happen. Um, there's actually a pretty, a pretty, uh, well, I'm gonna call it famous photo of you standing presenting the, the, the meld. Can I? Do you mind if I? Can I put it up right? Can I sure, show it? Sure. Yeah. Right, go so, ahead. So I will, uh, and then it'll it'll probably pop up. There. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then that's you know it's funny. So for the for the uninitiated, which you know LobbyCon tends to be the uh, unofficial post. Uh, uh, I call it trade show uh, convention meeting space for a lot of players where they they someone picks a hotel and they just take over the lobby and just jam games is you know throughout throughout the night so um and i mean those are the kind of stories you hear and you think like yeah this is this is 
I'm amongst my people. Like these are the people I want to know and be associated yeah. with. Cause that's, and that's, and that's one of the stories that's going to live, you know, anytime really someone, you know, or kind of tangentially related to you is going to see a Brazil. Like, Oh, did you hear about the time Katie, uh, melded at lobby con and like sit on the chair and everyone <laughs> clapped and you know, someone popped the bottle, you know, it's going to be, it's going to just, the, the legend is just going to grow over time, which is, uh, totally. which is pretty hilarious. So that's, uh, that's a great story. Um, that's too funny. Um, so in addition to to your Bracella story, you, you're kind of legendary at uh, conventions for your uh, karaoke-ing abilities. Oh, yes. Um, you tend to have, I think someone put it, the voice of an angel, a rock angel. <laughs> so, um, Who said that? <laughs> I, I I don't know veggie I made it up I, I just you know so, but I mean you you do kind of your your uh, reputation just kind of precedes you when it comes to your your singing and you know as I as a bassist myself I spy a ba- a bass in the background because um, I know you actually are a fellow bassist and I know your husband plays in a band um, shout out yeah. to John Several. your husband is the, your your oh I got it. your husband is the coolest Twitter name by the way Necronama John like that's such a cool name <laughs> like a, yeah. So when, yeah that's I was like Dang, that's a that's a cool name, man. Like, that's a husband's an awesome guy. <laughs> tell him I said hi, by the way. Tell me, yeah, Drew. I will, Drew's, yeah, yeah. But um, I want to talk a little music with you a little bit. So, um, as someone who can't sing but wishes they could, but does play bass. Uh, so, wh- how long have you been into music? Because uh, you've probably been in a few bands, I'm assuming. Or like, what's what's talk to me about your musical background? Let's talk. Let's talk shop a little bit. Like, when did you start getting like into playing and all that kind of good stuff? Um, I started. I've always been a singer ever since I was little. My mom used to always joke that I was singing before I could really talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of always part of my, like, I don't want to say identity, but it was just one of the things I always was, like, doing and good yeah. at and, you know, had fun doing. Um, in uh, elementary school, I started in band, so I played the flute. And then Flautist, junior high, okay, I went cool. in. I played the flute in junior high, and then I learned bass clarinet. Um, so then I played bass clarinet and flute and then clarinet all through high school. So I played, I was in like the, the like top band or whatever, mostly because I could play bass clarinet and it's hard to find somebody who can like play some of those more unique, uh, instruments. Okay. So I was also in choir for a little bit in high school. Um, I did a little bit of choir in college as well. And I sang professionally with our college choir, um, and, and karaoke has always been something I've just loved to do. Um, I used to always get made fun of. Like, my mom actually would always make fun of me. Like, why are you doing impressions of these artists? Like, you should sing in your own voice. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, okay? <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's part of, the, I mean, like, that's part of, like, the fun of being a musician, or right? It's like being able to imitate other voices is like, yeah. that's kind of part of the, yeah. That's, okay. Well, and I think by doing impressions of singers too, you learn a lot of technique and like you mm-hmm. branch out of like what you're vocally capable of doing and you're trying to do yeah. something else and you, that's how you build muscle. And so, you know, I always thought it was kind of weird. And then I got really into karaoke. I used to DJ karaoke actually um, for a while. And oh. uh, wait, so wait, did at night, did, would... did you have a DJ name? Like a, like a, like a, no, like a D- no. no, okay. No, I think they okay. called me DJ Katie, but that was just because they're like, this is the DJ and her name is Katie. Her like, Katie that, yeah. was, that was it. Not very yeah, original. I wasn't... But okay. okay. Yeah, so I would DJ karaoke at like bars, like okay. nine to one, you could find me here at this bar. Um, I did that for a little while in SoCal. 
Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just doing karaoke has kind of always been something that I love to do. I do it with my friends all the time. Actually, I have a friend coming into town this weekend. We're going to go do karaoke. Um, and I think, honestly, like singing is probably the only thing I'm like not very modest about. Like, I know I'm a good singer. Um, yeah. So when I went to Magic 30, this is kind of, I think, where the karaoke blew up a little bit. Was that Magic 30? They had the the karaoke room at mm-hmm. the big party that they had that Wizards held. And I went up and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to. Oh, can I cuss? I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. No, you can cuss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to swing Whitney Houston right now. Like, oh, I'm just Whitney Houston. Just okay, sure. Yeah, of all the song, Whitney Houston. All right, that's and now you're just Katie, you're just showing off now. With I, Whitney Houston. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing I'm really good at. So, I'm yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I the song starts, somebody decided to turn off the lights, everybody got out their phones. It was like a very magical moment. Um, yeah. and then at you know, at every event, like I think we even did at, at Magic 30, I think we did a karaoke night second the second night or the first night or something and we invited some people that were there at magic 30 um at like off site like at a at a karaoke place um yeah and we every now every time we go to an event we're like let, where are we doing karaoke we got to go to karaoke yeah. Yeah. so um yeah definitely something i love doing and i i have a lot of fun with yeah karaoke i'm a big fan of karaoke i'm not a very good singer um, but you get some beers in me and I will. So my, do you have a, so Whitney Houston, is that, that like your go-to song? Like when you go to karaoke, you know, you have to have like the one in the chain. Do you have like a particular go-to? Is it the Whitney Houston or like what's your. Yeah. Um, so Whitney Houston is like, I usually, um, that's like my showstopper. Like it's like my, if I'm only going to do one song. Uh-huh. Which at that night at Magic Thirty, the hour the wait list was like two hours to sing a song. So because everybody yeah. was there and they were all singing, so uh, I yeah I think I waited two hours and I was like, well if I'm only gonna sing one song, I'm gonna sing this one. That's probably yeah. the one that. Um, but generally, I mean, I like to sing. Um, I'm actually because I'm going to karaoke. I've been like preparing songs, which I know sounds silly, but. Uh, I was getting ready to like go out with some friends. So I'm like, I'm going to learn a couple new songs to that. I know that I'll know really well for going out mm-hmm. to karaoke. So I learned cherry, Blo- cherry bomb by the runaways. Um, I'm learning, uh, well, I learned Barracuda by heart. I don't know if that song is like really in my range and com- comfortable singing it. Um, it, you know, in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I'll have like new songs that I like to incorporate. I think Ain't It Fun by Paramore is another one that I'll pull out. Mm, okay. um, like if we're going to be there for a while, like that's a song I always love to sing. And then, um, um, I don't know. I actually really like to sing like, uh, like grungy songs too. I used to be in a band. Um, you know, I know you could ask me that a little bit ago. I was in a band um, with my husband when after we got married. Um, it was like a kind of garagey punk grungy situation i don't really know what it was we hadn't really found our sound um but uh yeah i did a little screaming you know like not like full like screamo kind of situation but like kind of that like punk vibe where you're kind of like yelling um and that was really fun melodic screaming is that totally (laughs) yeah like at the drive-in kind of situation (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah um so I love doing that. It's like a it's a good muscle to exercise, and so sometimes I'll learn songs just because I get to scream a little bit. Yeah, no, that's um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, 
So two things. So my just so my go to song at karaoke is Firework by Katy Perry. That's oh. usually my number one because you know. And can I hit all those notes? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> do I have a fun time singing it? You bet I do. Yeah, uh, and everybody sings along. That's one of those great. I think that's what I think since everyone joins in, it doesn't matter how bad I sound because everyone kind of, it's just one of the songs where you hit that, you're fine. Everyone's like, yeah, you're really, it's really <laughs> inspiring. So, um, yeah. But that's cool. Yeah, grunge. I mean, um, I'm all about that grunge, dirty rock. I played in a band in high, uh, not high school, in college. I think it gets, it's funny. I got into music like way later in life, probably like freshman year of college. I had two friends who were like played guitar and then they were like jamming. They're like, Drew, you should learn how to play bass. I was like, all right, like I got nothing going on, so like we just started a band in our dorm room, and um, they were really into. We were very inspired by like, well, Thrice was a kind of our number one inspiration, mm-hmm. like Rise Against those kind of. Oh yeah, um, I love Rise Against. Heavier and kind of like screaming, but not screamo, but not like you know what I mean. That kind of like yeah, we call it melodic screaming. Um, I always joke we call it, you know we we're technically a post hardcore band. I think was the uh, if you yeah mm-hmm. one, you know, um, but. Uh, it's fun. I, you know, playing playing music is one of those things where um, playing live. I don't think there's a better feeling in the world like when you're on stage and like you're just regardless of how good you are or whatever it is. Like when you're performing, mm-hmm. there's something about. And this is probably kind of to your point about um, doing karaoke. It's like when you're performing, uh, there's like not a better feeling in the world just like being on there and just you know going for it. So. Um, yeah. I can understand, like, you know, especially for a singer, like, why karaoke would be so important to you because, like, you're definitely kind of capturing that essence. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's fun. Um, I don't get to play. I don't know. Are you are you in any bands currently? Or I know, like you said, your husband's in a few. Do you do you play at all or anything? Or what are, what are you uh, what are you doing? No, I I um, I truly don't have the time to be in a band. Um, I would love to. Uh, but yeah, I just don't have the time and I, I have like a young kid. So it's like going to band practice every week means I, I probably have to fork out money for a babysitter, um, which, you know, isn't the worst thing, but doing it every week, it ends up being a pretty big expense if you look at it over the month. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, ultimately I would love to be in a band, but I'll probably wait until my kid's a little older. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but I mean, going to karaoke every now and then is like enough. And like my husband's yeah. in, he's in a, he has a solo project that's black metal. He's in a death metal band and he's also in a, like a, uh, like motorhead style rock band. Wow. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So he does a lot. And so I get to go see him and then, uh, I, get to go take photos and like be that kind of person for him when he's doing that. So that's fun too. That is super cool. I, uh, I play in a little jam band with my two of my best friends and we get together every few months and we play a bunch of covers and we just do jam songs and we drink and it's, uh, the fun, the best, the fun, most fun thing we do is we call, we call it photo bombing or phone bombing where we'll FaceTime one of our friends. And when they answer, we'll jump into a rendition of eye of the tiger uh, it's very silly, but it's usually usually if if whoever we call if they answer they enjoy it. But usually you'd be surprised at how many people don't answer their FaceTime calls on a Friday night at like seven o'clock. <laughs> I don't I understand why. Um, but uh, uh, anyways, uh, so okay, so in addition to music, obviously you know you, you talked about photography a little bit, and I know we've kind of talked a lot of shop about photo because uh, you, know, you talk about you feel pretty comfortable saying you're a pretty good singer. I 
begrudgingly like to think I'm a pretty good photographer. Or at least I've been doing it a long time, and I know you've you've really kind of jumped into the photography world. So, um, what uh, what it, what kind of drew you to photography, and like what's kind of got you interested in that and that sort of uh, hobby, as it were? Yeah, so I've always wanted to get into photography since I was a young kid. My mom had cameras growing up, and that was what her dream was um, was to mm-hmm. be a photographer. And so there was always cameras around and she was always taking photos of us. But like, um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, we were not allowed to um, use her cameras whenever we asked, like, how do I, can I use it? How do I use it? She was always like, it's broken, you know, and I was kind of like, okay, I guess that's fine. And, and Mm -hmm. then um, I got like a digital camera when I was like 18 or something and I loved it. And of course, by then everybody had, uh, uh, well not very many people. It was right when the first iPhone came out. Um, Oh yeah. But Mm -hmm. people were starting to get like a lot of cameras in their phones. And it was kind of a thing that people didn't really use digital cameras anymore. Um, And then I moved up to, uh, well, I got, after I had my son, I bought like a DSLR. I bought like a Canon rebel. Cause I was like, I want to like have something nice to like take really nice photos. I don't want to just rely on my phone all the time. Um, Especially back then it was like the iPhone, 10 so it's like the camera was good but it wasn't like incredible um as much as they wanted to tell you it was and so i was like i'm just gonna get a dslr you know have my own thing um but like i I really wanted to get into film but i was just so petrified and it's actually (laughs) funny because i had a film canon rebel um i had everything i needed i had film and everything too and i i was just so scared to use it because i was like film is so permanent and it's like I can't get rid of it. I can't try again. Like I have to just live with the decision and the shot that I took. <laughs> and I was yeah. so scared of it. Um, that's, the beauty, then, that's the beauty of film though, is the, the permanence and the, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, I, yeah mean, it I mean, is, it, it is scary though, depending if you're doing something important. Um, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. So I, I kind of stayed away from it. And then when I moved up here to Washington, I, I met, uh, I made a friend who shoots film and she was like, you should just do it. Like, just just get a camera. Like, I was like, well, I already have this one. And um, so I, I ended up buying a Pentax Spotmatic. That was like my first film camera that I bought. I She gave me a couple rolls of film. I just started like learning how to use it. For the first few rolls were so overexposed. I didn't know how to do it. It was all manual. Yeah. And now I have like, I have six cameras, including a new digital camera, which... Uh, I was inspired to buy because of you, because uh, <laughs> I saw you at Magic 30 with a camera around your neck that when at first glance, I thought it was a Leica. And I was like, oh, somebody's here with a Leica camera. I was freaking <laughs> out. And then I I wish I asked you, I was like, oh my God, do you have a Leica? And you're like, oh no, it's a Fuji film. And I was like, oh my God, that's super cool still. Yeah. And, uh, and then I messaged you like a couple weeks later and I was like, did you have a Fuji X100V? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's the one I'm going to get. I ended up getting a T. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like having, having, uh, photography to do like on a weekend and like go out to the city. I live in a beautiful place where there's lots of nature yeah. and beautiful buildings Definitely. and stuff. Yep. So, and then also wanting to capture like the fun moments with my kid and like get all of that, um, really drove me to photography. And I have, yeah, I just really like over the last year I've gotten super into it. I finally bought a medium format camera, which I have right here. Um, yeah, Bronica, right? I, th- you know, I was yeah. looking at stuff and I realized I never, I didn't even, I didn't see that tweet. I was like, how did I miss this, that tweet? That's so cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I gorgeous. bought a big Bronica, which I love, and I've I've done three rolls of film out of it already, and I'm obsessed. Oh, wow. Like they came out yeah. so pretty, and um, yeah. So photography is just one of those things, and it happened. Uh, it happened suddenly, and I was quickly just like totally wrapped up in it. Yeah, well, that's that's you know photography. I encourage everyone. You know, everyone has a phone. It's funny the iPhone essentially killed like old pocket digital cameras. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, anyone can be a photographer. You know, you have your camera. If you have a phone, probably you probably have a camera. But um, it's fun. It's, you know, I, I enjoy photography, obviously, a great deal. Um, film is definitely, you know, f- the, the only problem, obviously, with film is it's expensive. It is. So, like, the, the, it can be a little cost prohibitive. But, um, you know, I I talk, you know, you talk about it, it being scary. Like, I couldn't. So, I shot weddings. I would never shoot a wedding with film because I'd be yeah. too paranoid about messing it up. But there's, you know, I talk, one of my best friends, we talk about film photography a lot and there's this aspect of um shooting film where you know once you capture that the light hitting the celluloid and you you have that negative it's it's like a it's like a truly moment in time there you know digital you can copy it you can copy a digital image ad you know infinite amount of times and it's you know you mm-hmm. have multiple whatever but that negative you know only one of those negatives is only ever going to exist mm-hmm. so there's a certain so with all its you know positives and flaws it's kind of i don't know this is this this might be like silly artist quote-unquote ranting but like there's a beauty in that idea of like that negative is the only negative of that image that moment in time that's ever going to exist so totally uh yeah but um and you know you know i i was always a big fan of shooting uh like music like bands so i I know i've I've seen some of your um you know having obviously your husband probably performs a a decent amount so getting out to kind of do that which is always fun getting in the pit um getting the I don't know if you've ever if you ever had a, if you ever get a chance to shoot like a like a like a stadium or whatever they give you your three songs this kind of thing they let you go up, up front for three songs and they, and they kick you off uh, but it's it's fun so um, you know I'm always glad to see uh, new photographers get excited I don't know um, I had Hobbs on um, last my last or two episodes ago and he is another uh, magic person who he just got a new uh, Sony something and he's been super uh, stoked to talk photography with me so yeah. I kind of was joking it's like we should start a little magic photography you know what's, what's a discord I don't know but just like the talk shop and like exchange photos and stuff it's it's super fun but it's definitely magic it's the you know photographing oh my gosh there it is all right write that down magic the photographing <laughs> I will. He'll, he would be down. Hobbs is man. Hobbs is so cool. He's always just like, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Like, yeah. I think we talked for about an hour and a half. And we talked about magic for ten minutes and everything else. Everything else but magic. But uh, that's funny. Um, <clears throat> goodness. So, well, that's cool. I'm glad I inspired you to get a get a Fuji. Like, I'm a big Fuji guy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Sweet. Do you have a like an online portfolio or anything yet? Do you have like your photos up anywhere, or is that still? I do. Oh, do you? I don't, have it, a, uh, I don't have like an official portfolio, but I do have an Instagram where I post a lot of photos that I've taken okay. specifically all my film photos. And that's oh, just sweet. at kill, kill by film. Um, okay. Kill by film. I will. I'll definitely yeah. link that below, but yeah, check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll so add I, I mean, I'm a, I live in the Seattle area, so it's a lot of pictures of Seattle. Uh, a lot of pictures. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to more and more go to more um, local shows and stuff and get photos of bands. So I've been posting some there. I did a little thing for um, Satanic Royalty Records that um, they had a big festival um, in Seattle. So I went and took photos of one of the nights of all the bands. Um, that Sweet. was really fun. Um, and I did it. I did them all on film. So that was daunting. Wow. Yeah. Um, awesome. Look at you. I get them. 
I get them back up on my Fuji, so I usually have two cameras and I have yeah, no, one on sure. film <laughs> and then one on the digital that I'm like, if this all goes wrong, I, at least I have the digital ones. <laughs> yeah, that's um, just that's just smart. You know, that's just you got to do yeah, no, yeah. I, that. That makes sense. It is funny, yeah. though, because I, I multiple times I'll be like, I have one slung around my back and then I have one on the front and people would be like, is that a digital camera? And I'm like, no, it's film. And they're like, I swear I saw a screen on it. And I was like, oh, do you mean this one? <laughs> I bought the other one. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that was what I meant. <laughs> it's funny, too, how much of a conversation starter a film camera is. Like, it's like, are you shooting mm-hmm. film? And you're like, yeah. yes, I am. And, you know, people get – I remember I was at – the Huntington Library, like years ago, with a with a Nikon F three and walking around, and this guy came with. He's like, he was like, oh, it's you know, it's really cool seeing you, you know, keeping you know, shooting film. And like I can remember shooting film when I was younger and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, it was a really, you know, so it's it's yeah. fun. Like shooting film is because you have to put so much into every shot. You know, digital, you could yeah. crank out you know three hundred photos in like five minutes, and you're just like, well, there's Wait, probably one exposure. And, yeah, yeah like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you, so. do you still have a Nikon F three? Yep, it's uh. Oh yeah. Can I reach it? That's like a camera that I want next right now as a Nikon F3. I was really there's a guy in Seattle that has a Nikon F2, and I'm just kind of like looking at it like, maybe. <laughs> maybe definitely if you can get uh, I think the F3 is worth the the, the bump and like whatever. Yeah. Um, it's an it's a F3 HP, which is like the high point. So I think it's oh. I'm trying to remember. I think the viewfinder is like a little bigger. Um, oh okay. And here's a fun a fun thing. I think. If you ever see a Nikon F3 with a hot shoe, um, mm-hmm. that was like a, like a limited edition or kind of like a special edition for uh, newspaper photographers because most, most F3s don't have hot shoes. So it's oh. kind of rare. So like if you're ever like browsing and you see an F3 but it has a hot shoe, I'm pretty sure that's like a, a hard-to-find version of that camera. Yeah. So just like I always keep an eye out when I'm looking at it's F3s. Fine. Like and these, I'm trying to remember the the, the, the – it's like F3 – like. And like newspaper or something, but like if it has a hot mm-hmm. shoe, that's a that's a it's a rare, or hard to find huh. version of that camera. So it's good to know. Um, yeah, so there you go, camera, a little camera insight for <laughs> for everyone listening. Um, okay, let's let's uh, I guess swing back. Uh, that was kind of just for us because like talking talking photos <laughs> is always is always cool. Um, okay, so you know, in addition, it's obviously photographer, fantastic musician, uh, magic player. Uh, you're also really into Dungeons and Dragons, which is uh, another kind of popular, I would say big crossover for magic players and, and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, as someone who's just kind of recently got into a consistent play group, who's been really kind of getting into a little bit more, uh, definitely mm-hmm. want to talk a little D and D. So I know, are you, you're currently um, in a, in, is this one, is it one group you're playing with? Okay. So, okay. Let me back up a second. Are you dungeon mastering a, a, a game right now? Or are you a player in a game right now? Uh, both. Both. Okay. So are you in multiple yeah. sessions? Like are there multiple play groups you have right now? I wow, have okay. four groups going right now. Four groups. Okay, wow. Um, two of which I am the DM. The other two I'm a player. And one of those groups I'm about to – we're wrapping up the campaign and I'm about to DM the next one for that group. That's a lot of that's a lot of Dungeons & Dragons, Katie. Okay, yeah. so let's start with the player side of thing because there's a lot of Dungeon Master things I always find interesting. But so um, okay, when did you start – so what got you into Dungeons & Dragons? Because you must be really into it if you're running that many different groups right now. Um, so I have always wanted to get into Dungeons & Dragons. It's – you know, I feel like in high school I was like, oh, this is like so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love like role-playing and role-playing games. 
So I was like, this would be really fun to do. And actually, I originally was looking into like doing LARPing. That was like something I was interested in. Um, And then I found out uh, three years ago, um, I think it was three years, maybe it was four years ago now, um, that a group of people that I knew in high school were starting a campaign of D&D and they wanted, they were looking for somebody else. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally join. Like, that sounds great. Um, I'm super into it. So I like bought a player's handbook. I sat down, I built a character out and, um, it was just super fun. I I had so much to learn from the beginning. I I really had no idea what I was doing. And I did that for about a year. And then I, I was like, actually, I want to DM a campaign. I feel like I could, I kind of know enough rules now. I, I think I could do it, you know? So I got a group of my friends that together that had never played D&D before. We were all new. I was, it was my first time DMing. I actually, I had one person in my group who'd been DMing since, who had been playing Dungeons and Dragons since like the early nineties. So he was, uh, very well-versed, um, in D&D. So it was nice to have like a, uh, kind of a crutch to lean on almost. Yeah. Um, and they were super into it. So it was super fun. And I was like, I could do this. And so in the process of, wrapping up that campaign that was like a pre-made one um that came with the starter kit i was like i want to write my own campaign and i sat down and i was like what inspires me and and it was king gizzard and the lizard wizard that inspired me (laughs) so i wrote a whole campaign it's all references to king gizzard it follows the storyline of a king gizzard album it's it's got a lot of other stuff in there. It's not just that, but like, it's insane. It's like, and yeah. I've been running, I've been running that one for a year and a half now. Wow. Um, and I'm about to start running it again with the other group. Cause I didn't want to run a pre-made one with the group of friends. I wanted to run one I already written. And instead of writing another one, I was like, well, I just run it with this different group of people. They haven't seen it yet. So. Okay. I was going to ask, would you like is reusing a campaign something you would you do or consider but obviously that's because uh that's a lot of work i feel like to like do a full campaign and like okay well i gotta do a brand brand new one now like here we go like let's yeah tap the old creative creativity wells you know i i really wanted to be a writer growing up that was like always something i thought i was gonna do i was gonna write fiction um fantasy okay. specifically so D really like connected those dots for me of like I get to write um, kind of the bones of a story and I get to like build this world out um, and then I get to like role play it with the people and I get to kind of see what they, they're going to do and I get to kind of like work the pieces of all this world together with them. You kind of like, you know, it's like multiplayer storytelling, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I did really enjoy like uh, doing that and it really tapped into that side of my brain that really wants to write fiction. That's that's yeah, that's cool. I think you you nailed the the multiplayer storytelling aspect. I think is really the big draw for a lot of people when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that your your playgroups go along with like your stories pretty well? Like, cause, you know, a lot of times there's like you know, I feel like as you're playing, especially as a dungeon master, you know, you kind of want to guide your people in one way, but sometimes they kind of do whatever. Uh, do you find that the, your playgroups are kind of for the most part 
get pushed along pretty well or do you have groups that are like all over the place like what do you think um what's i guess like what what are your experiences with something like that and like how do you like to deal with those situations um so i really like to let my players do whatever they think they want to do i don't try to get in the way i give them the nudge they need to do what they want to do what they're supposed to do and then just kind of let things ride um i think i've like when i first started dming we were doing like i said we were doing the um i forget what it's called the starter campaign that comes in like the starter set Um, minds of flounder or something you save the Mm -hmm. unicorn yeah something like that Yeah. yeah so we were doing that one and there's like this part in the very beginning where they see like a cart that's been kind of like ransacked or burgled and then they have to like and it like one of them can see the trail that leads to like a den where there's goblins and they have to like save this guy who's in the cave. Yeah. Well, my players, they were so new. They had no idea. Like I'm going to look around. They just were like, what do we see? And I was like, you see this car and whatever. And this was probably partially my fault as well, mm-hmm. but they were like, okay, uh, we move on. Like, <laughs> they're just like, we're going to keep going. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so then I had to move on to the second part of the campaign. Oh, okay. Of, you know, and like completely bypass like the first part of it because they were like, they missed it. Like they just were like, they didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to push them to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, in some of those situations I've learned from that instance is like players have passive perception. They don't have to be looking around for something. They might just notice something looks weird. And uh-huh. so playing around with those just so that they don't lose track of what's supposed to happen um is really helpful and like remembering that stuff sometimes i like to give them like letters instead of somebody verbally telling them something um so that they have something they can like reference that's like written down not physically usually because i play most of my d my D &D over zoom but um makes sense uh something that they can reference like that i've dm'd to them like in discord or i've sent them a screenshot of something written down um, so that they can be like, well, it actually says this. And then they're like, okay, now we know what we have to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think ultimately, uh, I want them to like do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, most of my groups are pretty good at kind of following the lead of the mission. Actually sometimes too much now because <laughs> in my other camp, in my campaign that I wrote there, they basically went straight to the final boss Oh, and fought the final boss and now they're like okay well we have all of our side quests we can do so they're now they're just doing side quests in the world and there's in another whole subplot of things happening that they haven't even gotten to yet so it's like i was prepared but yeah. i didn't think about the fact that they were just going to go straight to the end of the game <laughs> so <laughs> i learned a lot um yeah. and i'm still learning a lot about how to run these and i think in my next group i'm gonna probably uh not constantly lead them with the carrot. Like they're going to get little bits and pieces and then they'll kind of have a dead trail, have to go find somewhere else. And then they'll maybe get a new lead to move on to the next part. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine part of the fun as a dungeon master is, uh, not ever really knowing, like you, you think you could, you could prepare for all circumstances, but there'll be that one person who does something like, Oh, I did not even, that did not even pass my mind as, as an op, like something that could happen. Um, totally. which is fun. I think that's part of the, like, cause you know, the, the dungeon, you know, for me, it's like, I've dabbled 
in dungeon mastering because usually when I was playing, I would like my friends would play, but like they'd. I'd have to guide the like I'd have to lead the group so so you know because they're not going to learn how to DM so um, so now being on the player side you know coming up with kind of wacky stuff the kind of force the DM to engage in a little different way like I think on the DM side it's probably more fun because it kind of gets you more involved versus you just like so this is my plan they're going to go here this is going to happen this is going to do this or whatever so like oh no I didn't think about that like let's see how that how would how would that play out like you know kind of uh, improvising on the fly. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, as someone who shout out to my current DM, uh, Luke, he's just been diving into like world building. And, um, mm-hmm. so we, we had a session and we basically had to kind of take a month off cause everyone's been kind of, I mean, what's the biggest issue people have playing in D and D it's just scheduling, right? It's always yeah. scheduling. Um, but he's like, well, I made a discord for us. He's like, well, we can like continue the story through discord. Like I could just like write out star beats and like ask questions and roll dice that way. So like, you know, when you get a DM who's like really involved in their story, it makes such a mm-hmm. big difference in the play experience. So I can imagine that your, your players are probably pretty lucky if you're like, I am, you know, a being interested in writing, like fantasy writing in general and just being like super into this. Like it's probably a pretty fun, uh, fun story. And I mean, just, you know, it's, it's, it's funny where inspiration can strike, right? King Gizzard, this is going to be, you know, like I, who would have ever thought that would have inspired a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, but like, that's freak, you know what I mean? Like, why not? You know, that's, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. I, I'm sure it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, well, I don't, there was the whole thing with the, the, the OGL of whatever that'd be cool. Like you have like your, here's the King Gizzard module for someone to use one day, you know, that's, yeah. that's you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. So, well, I um, know the King Gizzard subreddit definitely wants it. I've been teasing yeah. it for a while now. I'm almost, I, I'm done with it realistically. Like the hero, the story beats, I know what everything has to do. It's just compiling it in a way that would make sense for somebody to run is yeah. a beat. So, uh, yeah. getting that all together and getting it kind of to what, how I want it and, you know, stuff like that is, is a lot of work. And so I'm slowly working towards that. I I'm hoping to finish that this year so that I can publish it. Uh, maybe yeah, not yeah. through D and D beyond, but maybe just like out there in the internet yeah. for people to take and do with what they will. I mean, there was the, uh, the, the, the controversy of the OGO, but not only did it, did they relent? It seems like they even took it back even more. So it's even like better yeah. for creators now. It's even more open, yeah. Yeah. So that's you know, I mean, that's that's good for you. Like, if it is something you want to focus on, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you know, it's like one of those things. I don't, I don't know the full logistics of how like publishing those sort of things work, but um, one of my previous guests, uh, his name is Kevin Cole. He created a tabletop game, kind of like a very streamlined. D, not quite D and D, but a game you kind of play with friends like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he published that. Him and his wife they published. They, they made it. They had a. They kickstarted a book, like a physical book. So it's mm-hmm. like it'd be cool. You know, that's kind of one of those things. Well, it'd be cool. Like if you're like, yeah, let's do this, and like to actually have like a kickstarted, you know, module published. You know, I think that's one of those things. Is like someone interested in creating stuff. Like that's kind of a cool thing to be like, oh yeah, I made this. You know, here's the thing I made for the world to enjoy. Yeah. So, um, Hopefully, you know, I, I look forward to hearing uh, many people getting to experience your, your module there. So that's that's pretty sweet. Uh, pretty very impressive, I, I, I must say. Um, so on the on the player side, um, you know, different way to experience the game. Uh, so talk. So you do you have you said you have four sessions. You're DMing three I of have, them. And pl- th- go ahead. I yeah, have right. a I have two characters right now that I'm currently playing. One okay. of the characters 
is uh, about to kind of retire. Uh, okay, that God, that's right. Will that's be right. Ending. Yeah. Okay. So, what are the two characters? What are their class and all that? Uh, all that good stuff. What are they? So, I have a level nine tiefling druid named Meliora, okay. um, who is constantly battling with herself. She really wants to be like peaceful and quiet and um, bring like positivity to the world. But because she's a tiefling, she's kind of chaotic and accidentally destroys stuff. And she leans <laughs> a little too heavy on fire magic. And so there's a lot of like little, she has like her own little war that's happening. Um, so she can be a little crazy, but some, when she gets mad, uh, but generally she's like trying so hard to like keep it together, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my other character is a, uh, satyr cleric named Plim. Um, okay. and she is a unholy cleric. She, um, she's her kind of base, uh, motive in life is that she's going to help anybody in need. Um, which is why she became a cleric, but she's also not able to discern who's good and who's bad usually. So her okay. kind of backstory before she, she, we're running, um, tomb of annihilation. Okay. So. Her kind of backstory is that she came to Cholt because she was running away because she was serving a vampire who got caught. Um, oh. And she was basically trying to help this vampire pass as, like, a not-human. So she was, like, trying to, like, find a way to sate his, like, bloodlust and keep him, like, fully functional and not vampiric. Um, yeah. But then he got murdered, so then now she's on the run, basically. Um uh -huh. So she's kind of like, you know, a little all over the place. She's always trying to do good, but her distinction of like what good is and what bad is, is great. Um, which is kind of fun, but she, yeah. generally right now, like she's, she also is obsessed with um, pretending that she's a ghost. So she has like this oh. cloak that, um, okay. it just increases her stealth, but she also can make a minor illusion of herself to look like a ghost. Okay, um, yeah, okay. So she likes to trick people and like, like scare people. So she's constantly trying to scare like guards and like sneak her way through things, um, and scare people away. So that's funny. I like that spooky ghost. Um, so <laughs> okay, do you when you? This is my favorite question. When you play these characters, do you like? Do you get full into like the role playing aspect? Like, do they have voices? Do you really like? dive in do, okay that's good yeah i i'm all about the voices when i play these things you got to have the character idea and you need to have the voice like, like that's part of the fun right you're gonna play if you're already playing dungeons and dragons like why not just go full in and totally. do the voices can i hear can we hear the voices is that is that not is that awkward if it's awkward it's you know but I, so I meliora's voice is really just my voice because she was my first character i didn't really i wasn't like feeling confident enough to like do a voice yeah. for her so she's mostly just my voice I just use a little bit more of like froofy language. Um, yeah. But Plim, um, Plim is like a little higher pitched and she she laughs and giggles a lot when she doesn't mean to because she, she doesn't know how to not be happy. So generally <laughs> that's how she's talking most of the time. That's funny. If I, I can imagine if I close my, I would not, I would have thought I was a different person. It's just amazing how just a slight, <laughs> the slight pitch makes it. Well, that's funny. That's yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, I think that's part of the fun, right? Like creating yeah. these characters and getting involved. Um, yeah. I love, I love voices. I love doing, I'm, you know, love doing voices for my characters too. So I do a poor rocket. I have a, I have a deep gnome 
wizard that I've been playing who's basically like Rocket Raccoon is kind of the inspiration. Like he likes to steal stuff for his he's got he's friends with an orc warrior. They're like they're like they're pals. So -hmm. like they kind of they're journeying together with our larger group, but like he'll like steal stuff for him if like the orc, you know, if he wants it and like he whatever he'll like he'll sneak it and stuff and um yeah, it's fun. It's it's super fun doing (laughs) the the wannabe rocket voice and just like yeah you know, getting into character and really being you know because typically i do like oh you know when we started i started this play group and everyone was kind of choosing to, and there was like three like three holy paladin people like okay everyone's a paladin all right cool <laughs> well i'm gonna try something a little different so i'm gonna be a kind of a sassy deep gnome fire guy or something so it's uh it's been fun it's been a nice change of pace from my normal play style so yeah. Uh, and when I DM, fun. I do like all the voices and stuff for my characters, my NPCs. Um, I, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun like doing all the voices and stuff. And I think it helps like immerse the players a little bit oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Have you ever thought about um, streaming your sessions, like doing like Twitch D&D stream or doing like a, a Twitch uh, or even I guess YouTube like sh- like D&D stream show kind of thing is that everything that's ever crossed your mind you know I wanted to um do a one shot uh you know just like a single session episode of D&D just to kind of test the waters I have something sort of written that I I wanted to kind of flesh out it's actually um the story of Plim's backstory um so Plim is actually in the the one shot that I wrote uh I loved her so much writing her character that I was like, I'm just going to play this character for a campaign. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I have that kind of working out. I just, I need to really like dedicate some time to really finish it so that it's kind of ready to be in a show. And yeah. then I also need to figure out the logistics of like getting everybody on video and like having yeah. good quality and like, how do I demonstrate maps to the audience as well as to the player and that kind of stuff. Like, um, just wanting to like nail that kind of stuff down, um, is, uh, daunting. So yeah, I, it is something that I want to do. Yeah. That's, I mean, for sure. It's definitely, I can imagine the, the logistical side of it being a, somewhat, especially just considering how big of a, uh, group you want to run with. Obviously the more mm-hmm. people you add that the crazier gets. I'll have to show you this, this, this website maybe after this might be something that would, uh, be beneficial to what you're trying to do in terms of at least like from a, uh, recording standpoint, it's, it's pretty useful, but, um, well, that's cool. Well, you know, hopefully, you know, I look forward, uh, to hopefully seeing that someday. I think that'd be very entertaining. Um, uh, in, uh, I really hope that, uh, King Gizzard, uh, module kind of finds its way into the world because, uh, you know, we need, we need more creative, uh, you know, solutions like that out there. I think that's, I think that's super, (laughs) super freaking cool. So, um, it's cool too because at the end of the campaign, I'm gonna give all of the players their song that their oh, back okay. that their like side quest was based off of. So I have like a little playlist for the campaign, and it's all King Gizzard songs. Oh wow, yeah, that makes that's awesome. Gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. I might <laughs> steal that idea next time I host some sort of session of something. I don't know what what album. I gotta think about that. It's uh, <laughs> and it gives you like a, a great like just like general outline to start you know starting point right and you can kind of like fill in yeah that's you are a clever one Miss Carla let me tell you <laughs> um, so uh, Katie you know this has been fantastic I wanted to thank you so much for, for joining me tonight um, I don't want to take up too much of your time uh, too much more of your time I should say um, so there's a few more things I kind of just wanted to uh, wrap us up with um, 
we kind of talked before when I talk about um, or when I have my guests on, I like to have them pick a charity of their choice that uh, the show, my show makes a donation to just as a kind of a kind of a small way to kind of give back and to a good cause. And um, as you know, uh, you kind of mentioned earlier that Birds of Paradise has supported this group, so uh, we'll be making uh, the show and tell show. We'll be making a donation to uh, Trans Lifeline um, as a kind of joint in our names. Just to, again, um, you know, I kind of it, haven't really emphasized, but like trans trans people are under heavy attack like every day these days. It's not even mm-hmm. you know, it's not even like well, it's kind of hard. It's it's scary out there. So yeah. um, help help you know, protect trans kids, protect trans people. Like they are, you know, trans rights are human rights. Like it's not, it's, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the constant stress and fear that I'd be under. So this, this is like a simple, small way we can kind of try to help, um, yeah. a, a service, you know, provide, uh, necessary and, you know, could be life-saving, uh, support, uh, for people in need. So, um, we'll be doing that. Um, and additionally, what I like to do, you know, I talk, I think I mentioned, I talk a lot about community and building community and, um, being a part of community. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop up my uh, community board through the uh, magic of video editing. So I'm going to listen it. And then uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm trying to think. I'm going to uh, basically subscribe to your Twitch stream. So uh, we'll be the show and tell show will be a consistent Twitch subscriber to you just going forward uh, just as oh. a small way to kind of support uh you know, even, you know, support you as you, as you do your streams, as you do, you know, whatever other content you're looking to do. Um, but that way I can kind of keep, uh, helping you, uh, basically supporting you after the end of the show. Um, and just, you know, hopefully giving you a little more flexibility and being able to go out and look into maybe hosting a D and D show or, or doing more streams or, or what have you, you know? So it's just a small way for me to kind of keep supporting you after, uh, after having you on, uh, and just, you know, uh, as a small sort of thank you and uh, uh, hopefully a kind of a way just to you know, show that, you know, we believe in, believe what you're doing. And I think you're a, a very good example of what, uh, what a, a good community member in the, in the magic community looks like. So um, we'll, I'll be hopping on that and uh, locking in those subscriptions. So just, again, just a kind of a small gesture and, you know, the show and tell show has your back, you know, and mm-hmm. keep, uh, keep talking photography with me and stuff and, <laughs> and, and, and good time. So, um, thank you so much. No, th- again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, I will link all of your kind of good social media stuff at the end of the show, uh, Twitter, or uh, your awesome Instagram, your film Instagram. I'm looking forward to looking that up after the show ends uh, myself. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening and you've been enjoying the episodes I've been putting out, uh, this is just a passion project, but feel free to subscribe. Uh, we've, we, I hit the my uh, glorious 50 subscriber goal uh, on my birthday, which was kind of cool. Uh, a few days ago, so we passed 50 subscribers. So we're looking to, uh, you know, maybe 100 by the end of the year. Who knows? That's always kind of kind of a fun thing to do. Um, you can like. There's. I don't. T- the notification bell seems excessive. I don't. You don't have to hit the bell, but yeah, if you're just subscribed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Find Katie on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best way to to see what's going on in our lives. And uh, again, so Katie, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, look forward to seeing you on a stream or at a convention or in, in the ether as it were. So, uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah, I will be at command fest Bellevue. So if you're coming, I'll be there. Oh yeah. Command uh, Command fest Bellevue. There you go. So, uh, check her out and, uh, we'll catch you. I'm sorry. It's Seattle this year. Command fest Seattle. Oh, even better. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Probably even closer for you. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle. Seattle's a great city. If you've ever been to Seattle, it's a great excuse to get out there. Yeah. 
All right. Have a good night and we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much.